Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, Good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon. You've had better afternoons, not feeling so well, but going to be a trooper and, and get through this, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, hey, I hope nobody gets what I got, okay? <laughs> well, if they do, we want to hear about it because that would yeah. truly be amazing. So That would be amazing, sure. Well, joining us in this edition is Jim Atkinson, CEO of Guinness Atkinson Asset Management. Thanks for joining us, Jim. No, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Jim, nice to have you with us. Guinness Atkinson, which was formed back in 2002, has launched a new exchange-traded fund, or ETF, for people looking to invest in smart transportation and technology. It trades under the symbol MOTO on the New York Stock Exchange. Give us, Jim, uh, an overview here, how this came about. Uh, Yeah, well, one of the themes at our firm is innovation. Uh, We tend to look at the world and see changes that are going on, and a lot of those involve innovation. And we're big believers in EVs. We see the direction of travel for electric vehicles. We also see the developments that are going on with autonomous vehicles and where that technology is headed. And of course, we believe these technologies will converge, not just with each other, but potentially with ride-hailing applications. And once these three elements converge, you could have a profound revolution in transportation. And we think a lot of people don't see this necessarily. The, the revolution is actually underway in our view, but it's we're sort of at the, the front edge of it. And it's just starting to pop up on people's radars at the moment. Uh, so it's hard to recognize at the moment, but we believe that over time, this revolution that's underway will become clear. And the point of the smart ETF, smart transportation and technology ETF is to allow investors the opportunity to invest in these changes. Maybe it would be good to explain a little bit uh, about some of the basics of of ETFs, what they are, how they work. Well, an ETF or exchange-traded funds are really very much like regular mutual funds, except they trade on an exchange. And uh, investors are finding ETFs to be more popular uh, because they tend to be more tax efficient, more transparent, and they tend to have uh, lower operating expenses. And by transparent, I mean... ETFs, at least at the moment, all let you know what they're holding all the time, full time. And and investors can come to our website, smartetfs.com, and see the 35 holdings in the ETF every day, and they're they're updated daily. And uh, this this is actively managed, so you can explain what that means, and talk about some of the companies, maybe, and how they're selected. Yeah. So by actively managed, we mean we're not following an index. We, we construct the portfolio our, ourselves. Um, and our, we have some set policies or ways that we construct our portfolio. So typically our portfolios have a set number of holdings. And in this case, it's 35. And uh, though they tend to be approximately equal weight. And I say approximately because you got to deal with round lots and, and things like that. And of course, the shares move over time and we don't, we don't necessarily rebalance uh, frequently, because we want to keep turnover and, and expenses low, um, but they're they're meant to be roughly equal weighting. Uh, and our asset managers are based in London, and they begin the process by assembling a universe of companies that we believe have meaningful exposure to the smart transportation revolution. Uh, and and from that universe, which is about two hundred, uh, the managers start doing a lot of hard work, looking at the fundamentals of each of those companies, and doing rigorous fundamental research on each and every one of them. Um, and it's not enough just to be in the, in the smart transportation sector or be involved in smart transportation. We want companies 
that we invest in to have strong fundamentals and ideally trade at a reasonable price. Um, and some of the, the stocks that we have in the portfolio, for example, uh, Tesla, which is sort of a poster child for the concept, uh, but Alphabet because of their Waymo uh, division, uh, and then technology providers such as NVIDIA and NXP Semiconductors, uh, which happens to be a leading provider of chips for the automotive industry. We also have some auto manufacturers that are putting resources into autonomy and electrification, including Volvo and Toyota. But the point of the portfolio is to invest in companies that provide services and products in the smart transportation space, but also suppliers to these companies. So there's, there's a whole ecosystem and infrastructure behind this uh, revolution that, that we're looking to invest in. Yeah, it, it's really great that you're putting this out there because uh, um, I always run into people and they say, uh, you know, what should I be investing in or which com companies should I do? And, 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 and of course, uh, as an individual, uh, that's, that's not a very smart way to approach this, I don't think. And uh, for you to put together an ETF to do this, for those who uh, believe that, in fact, um, uh, we are about to uh, have a uh, disruptive enough uh, transformation in mobility, uh, you know, the paradigm changing from owning a horse, uh, changing from owning a car, uh, and changing from doing mobility for ourselves one at a time uh, to one that may have us uh, go into and create smart cities and smart communities where, in fact, uh, the shared economy uh, is there uh, to uh, actually uh, substantially improve mobility uh, and and the, the cost of mobility and save the environment and save the planet. So uh, it's it's nice that you've uh, come into this space and, and, and put the things together to uh, to allow um, uh, investors who have interest in this in this uh, area to um, to um, uh, participate. And that could be investors, big and small individuals or. or larger entities, and they're able to spread their risk out. That's one of the advantages here, I suppose, Jim. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, to your first point, uh, the beauty of an ETF, particularly given that many of the brokerage firms are now not charging commissions for stock or ETF trades, is you can buy as few as one shares. And we've seen that. Uh, we just launched the fund a couple weeks ago, and the reception has been nice. Uh, we're getting trading every day, and uh, people are clearly interested in this topic. Uh, but you're right, it, it does help reduce the risk of a single stock. And uh, one of the reasons we go to the 35 uh, roughly equally weighted positions is it, it keeps the single stock risk to a minimum. There are lots of companies that, that want to get in on this, on this industry, and some of them are, are really small startups. Those aren't the kinds of companies that, that you'd be jumping on right away, I assume. No, no. For starters, we, we can't invest in anything that's not publicly traded. And because of the liquidity requirements for an ETF, they tend to have to be uh, relatively large in terms of market cap. So uh, you're not going to find any venture capital stocks or privately traded uh, stocks in this space uh, in our ETF. Um, and they, they have to have a certain market cap minimum, uh, you know, probably half a, half a billion or so before we would even look at them. On your website, you've got a, a research paper titled The Smart Transportation Revolution. Uh, laying out a variety of predictions and implications. Really interesting reading. Maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, what's in there. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, as you know, it's pretty hard to make predictions about the future, uh, particularly accurate ones. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, right. If we were good at that, then it'd be boring. Yeah. 
Um, we, we do have a reasonably good idea of where the technology is going. We don't know how fast it's going to get there or where it may end up in the end. But, but what's much harder to predict is how society is going to react to that technology. So we don't know how lawmakers and regulators will respond. We don't know how consumers will respond to the autonomous vehicle uh, or, or to these changes that we're talking about here. Um, but that said, um, one scenario for the complete revolution in transportation could occur in the next decade is uh, electric vehicles. I mean, we, we see electric vehicles beginning to dominate uh, in the next decade. Now, there's a variety of estimates out there, um, but we believe that by the end of the next decade, you could see EVs dominating uh, automobile sales and, and, and being much greater than ICE vehicle sales. Uh, but the more interesting prediction involves what happens when you converge the uh, electric vehicle, the autonomous vehicle, and ride, ride hailing. And you were sort of referencing this a few minutes ago, Alan. You, you could get uh, into a situation where people don't own their own cars, don't operate their own cars, and they completely switch over to the transportation as a service model. Um, or maybe not completely, comes... maybe not completely Correct. change over, but certainly not have you know a whole stable in the, in the garage. I mean, uh, you know, couples don't need two cars anymore, so you know, one can stay home. And in fact, maybe you know that car is now a neighborhood car uh, that the neighborhood uses, and so, uh, when they need it, so you know that's 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 a that's a real possibility. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if it's some. A majority or a few or half we don't know but but we do see people switching and, and part of that switch comes about because the savings is so great uh you know, one of the the definitions of disruptive change is a dramatic drop in the cost and you could be seeing an 80 percent cut in transportation costs for the average family uh, and that puts a lot of money into their pocket um, and you add to that the convenience uh factor here of not having to uh own and drive your car, uh, it's a pretty compelling argument for people switching from the own and drive to the uh, transportation as a service model for at least some of the time, uh, or, or at least for part of their vehicles. Um, and if you think about it, that has some profound implications. If 25, up to 25% of land use in urban environments is for parking. And the automobile, which is a rather expensive bit of capital that people own, sits idle 95% of the time. So, and this is before we even talk about public transportation. I, I, I think and see about what's going on out there in public transportation, and public transportation is not meeting the needs of most of the public in the way that urban planners might like them to. And I think if we can get smaller, more frequent bus service uh, that, that goes in more locations or can be tailored to you personally based on the app on your phone, you could find public transportation just completely revolutionizing transportation within the cities. So, I mean, uh, I, mean, I, I like this. I like to say that the madmen have, uh, for at least the last uh, 50, 60, 70 years, have convinced us that we just love driving cars and we all can't do without it. And in fact, they're a big pain in the butt. And you got to clean them, you got you to shore them, you got you to make sure you don't crash them. And in fact, boy, it is a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot nicer if you just hop into something and it takes you there. Uh, what the heck? Why am I doing that? Why am I doing that work? So, in fact, it, it may be the, in the end, the, the convenience aspect of all of this that, that is really attractive. You know, I think that that's part of the attraction of, of Uber Lyft up to this point. My, my goodness, uh, 
who takes their own car to, to an airport anymore? Uh, who rents a car at an airport anymore? I mean, uh, geez, you go someplace. If you rent a car and you go to L.A., you rent a car and you go to the hotel, they charge you 40 bucks to park it and you don't leave and it sits there for yeah. three days while you're there. Are you kidding? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, but to your point about Mad Men and, and the sort of um, psychic benefits of owning a car, those aren't translating to this younger generation. The younger generation here is, is saying they don't own cars and they don't want to own cars. And if you talk to people with kids who are in their you know early 20s, some of them don't have driver's licenses yet. So yep. that change may uh, be know. occurring. Yeah, I mean, you know, my students tend to have driver's license, but they don't use them. They just got them right. because they wanted to get them. I don't know how you were when you were 16, but boy, did I have to get that because, of course, exactly. the, the freedom that you got uh, out of uh, out of getting that was, like, enormous. Uh, but now uh, they all the 16, 17, and whatever year olds, uh, they have more freedom uh, without, a, without a car. So um, yeah. they don't need that. Interesting. We have some other headlines to touch on, too. Advocates pushing federal standards for autonomous vehicles held a forum and rally this week in Washington, D.C. They were brought together by what's called the Coalition for Future Mobility, which warned of the danger of falling behind the rest of the world in creating and testing autonomous vehicles. I think I remember that there was legislation passed by the House in 2017, but that died in the Senate. Got, got nowhere, and now there's another big push on, Alan. Well, I guess it's a big push, but I, I still think we're way too early. Um, uh, we, we don't know what we don't know about all this. If you go back to 2017 or e- even 2015, the, the thought of all this technology was that we were going to own it and that, that, that we could basically uh, uh, have it show for us someplace and have the car then drive around and uh, until we need it and, and then come back and pick us up or we could see, uh, sleep in it or we could, you know, have our car cocktails or whatever and and i and and the, i think the the there's been a, a substantial shift in in terms of looking at this as real mobility for real people uh to really improve the quality of life in our in our cities our inner suburbs and and, and our suburbs and and this is the real opportunity this is this is where this is really going to grow uh if it just serves the one percenters or the 0.5 percenters who cares uh but well, my my up, impression is that this is a push for legislation so that you don't have individual states coming up with different rules for testing the vehicles etc cetera, etc cetera, that that it's going to enable yeah. more testing Right, I, I understood, and and understood, and of course, uh, one w- would want it to have a, a federal oversight. But in the end, this is going to be interstate commerce type of thing. It's going to have to have a, a federal oversight aspect of it. And as I've I've I sort of claimed in the past, I think what we should do is create a whole new federal agency in. Um, in the federal DOT, the focus is on these these vehicles. These are different mobility machines uh, than uh, the conventional car, uh, than the trucks, uh, than airplanes, uh, than, than trains, than pipelines. And it deserves its, its own uh, 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 oversight group who is there both uh, promoting and making sure we don't... Um, um, sort of get um, uh, too uh, enthusiastic about it. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, we can have the discussion, but I think we're still way too early. 
we're still with zero, Fred. We're still with zero. You know, maybe Waymo is out there running, a, uh, moving a couple people today with in driverless cars, but we're still at zero. So, you know, give the technology a chance. Well, AutoX, uh, which is backed by China's Alibaba, has filed an application in California for a permit to test autonomous vehicles on public roads without backup drivers. So far, only Waymo has that kind of permit in the state. And AutoX has been testing with backup drivers for a few years now in California. That's according to CNET Roadshow. So it looks like Waymo may have some company. Um, yes, but I, I I wonder what the Donald thinks about this. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, Alibaba is here uh, testing their technology on the uh, on the. Uh, on the roads of California, uh, with the drivers of California, uh, with the uh, homeowners of California, uh, why haven't they done this testing in uh, who knows what China? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, well, I guess I'm going to get some hate mail about that. Whatever. You might, or maybe they'll have to pay a toll that's thirty percent higher. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, hey, this is this is big. This is big. Aptiv is expanding its Pittsburgh Technology Center, Alan, giving itself some some more room to grow. Their roots, I think, go back to Carnegie Mellon, the DARPA challenge, and yep. they've, they've partnered with Lyft to provide self-driving rides in, in Las Vegas. We were hoping to get, get one of those last time out at CES, but wound up with a driver every time. Maybe the next time. Yep. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll be luckier in January. Yes, uh, and that's good that they're doing that. And uh, Pittsburgh is a very good place to do it. Certainly, Carnegie Mellon has been leveraging its uh, its position in this field since uh, the 2004-2005 challenges. Uh, they had the very good people there at the beginning. They, most of them left Carnegie Mellon, but others came. Uh, so that's a good place for them to go. And uh, and Pittsburgh is actually, you know, becoming kind of the one of the world's meccas out of this. Uh, if you move, you know, away from from um, um, uh, Silicon Valley and um, just to make sure everybody knows I was raised in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I have a, I have a, a sweet spot for Pittsburgh in my brain. I was going to say one of the chief products they've, they've come up with is a called Cornhauser. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition. We want to thank uh, Jim Atkinson for joining us. Thanks so much, Jim. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Jim, great having you. Thank you. Thank you. And all the best of luck with what you're doing. It's a, it's a really valuable contribution. The website, again, for more information is smartetfs.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs>